is the day after the New Hampshire primary, and we have victories for Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. And talking with me is my normal co-host on Fridays, uh, but he's been joining us a lot, and he will throughout the year because of the election on different days. So Brad Bannon is in the House. He runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm that helped labor unions, progressive issues groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. And Brad acquired a new position in addition to being a political science professor at Suffolk University. He's also a weekly blogger for EpicTimes.com. Formerly, he wrote for U.S. News and World Report. More than a pleasure to have back our buddy and Democratic strategist, Brad Bannon. Brad, good afternoon. Happy hump day, buddy. Hey, Leslie. How are you doing? Uh, first, I want to say before we get started, I'm uh, surprised and gratified uh, that you didn't cancel my appearance on your show this afternoon. Ah, because I did email. Okay, Brad, all you have to do is say three times. It's sort of like those, uh, I guess, Middle Eastern divorces. You can just say, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. But, Brad, you were. I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. You know, okay, there's so an expression in the bit. South. Man, I've listened on the day we talked to, don't recall. You said you thought Rubio would win, and I asked you after his dismal performance in the debate if you still felt that way, and you did. And then I asked you if Bernie would win. We both agreed he would. And you felt, as did I, quite frankly, that he would not win by the amount he won and that you even said it would be like single digits. So let's talk about a few things. One, that debate really destroyed Rubio, and we saw that. But also let's talk about surprises because John Kasich came up to second. Is this a game changer? Or I'm going to mention, and I think I, you may have known, Brad, if you saw my social media stuff, I interviewed former Governor Michael Dukakis last night, who was your governor and mine in Massachusetts. And he's a professor at Northeastern University, where I'm an alumni and an ambassador for, and he is also a professor at UCLA. And when I asked him about the current race, and I asked him, you know, what, you know once the uh, results came out, which were before I interviewed him last night, he said that Hillary needs to remember this is a 50-state race. And he goes, and people forget that. Candidates forget that. Forget that. He forgets that. And he talked about Mississippi during the Obama run and how Obama was five points away from taking Mississippi. But because Democrats look at it as a red state ain't going to happen, they don't put people on the ground. They don't campaign in that state. It's like they let it go. And he was defeated in that state by 11 percentage points, but he could have had Mississippi. Now, he won, and he won easily, but, again, would you agree with uh, Governor Dukakis's opinion that this is a 50-state race, and we put too much emphasis sometimes on the first uh, caucus in primary states? Well, I agree with, the, uh, with Governor Dukakis, and for good reason. Uh, if you count the 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Mariana Islands, there are 54 jurisdictions that send delegates to the Democratic and Republican national conventions. So essentially, we've got two down, 52 to go. Okay, so let's talk about a few things. Let's start with Democrats, because we are Democrats. What happened that got Bernie Sanders so far ahead, winning by such a large percentage over Hillary Clinton, uh, when you look at exit polls? Was it well, I have been looking it, at the exit polls most of the day. Okay, and, so looking, at, uh, looking at the exit polls, why would it happen Let me ask you first. Did, did Bernie have, were, did more youth come out than expected? Did more independence, did more undecided at the last minute flip for Bernie? Did Hillary not have the biggest showing? 
or did she have the best showing she could have had? I mean, she got what forty, nearly forty percent, um, which I wouldn't scoff at. But compared to what he had, you know, it's certainly not a victory. Uh, so let's talk about why that point spread was so large, why that winning margin was so large for Senator Sanders. Well, number one, uh, Hillary Clinton had a very bad weekend in New Hampshire. And the same thing, well, Marco Rubio had a very bad weekend, too, which is why I think they slipped. Now, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. So people understand why um, did, would you say, now, Rubio, Rubio, we all know, had a bad weekend in New Hampshire because he tanked at the debate. Mm. Why did Hillary, in your opinion, have a bad weekend in New Hampshire? Well, I'm uh, going to uh, try to produce a new TV reality show, and it's going to be called Clinton Surrogates Go Wild. Uh, it was they three uh, Hillary Clinton surrogates were in the state over the weekend, and all three of them bombed. Uh, first of all, there was uh, Madeleine Albright, who said that women who don't support Hillary uh, deserve a special place in hell. Well, you can imagine how that went over in New Hampshire, uh, you know, especially since my guess is about 55% of the voters were female. Uh, and then you had former feminist Gloria Steinem uh, saying that uh, the reason young women were uh, supporting Bernie Sanders was to find cute boys. Um, and finally, uh, the big dog himself, Bill Clinton, uh, I think it was Friday in Manchester, made a speech that was really incredibly angry at uh, Bernie Sanders and his supporters. Uh, it was a very harsh speech. And as a general rule in politics, you don't insult people whose vote you want. And I think that's part of the problem. That was part of the problem with Hillary Clinton over the weekend. Okay, so Hillary's problem was not from her, but rather from people she got to rally around her. And Madeleine Albright and Gloria Steinem um, could have appealed uh, perhaps to more, um, to more female voters. So let, let's talk about what this means going forward in South Carolina. Does this give a boost to Senator Sanders, or does it really do nothing for Senator Sanders simply because everybody expected him to win New Hampshire. And Real Clear Politics had him up by almost 13 percentage points. We'll talk about the polls in a minute. So in other words, this was not a surprise that he was going to kick her butt in New Hampshire. I, uh, I was very sure Bernie Sanders, like you were, that Bernie Sanders uh, was going to win. I was surprised at the margin. And when I was looking at the, the exit polls of Democrats in New Hampshire today, one thing I saw, this really stood out like a sore thumb. A majority of uh, female Democrats in New Hampshire voted for Bernie Sanders. Okay. And that was, the, you know, that's a good part of Hillary's base, and she didn't even win women. And, you know, that for the longest time, you know, the Clinton campaign had assumed, well, you know, we're going to have a strong uh, base with uh, women. Uh, and they were wrong because okay, in New okay, Hampshire, a majority Brad, of women I, went to I, Bernie I'm Sanders. A I'm a woman. I like Madeleine Albright. I like Gloria Steinem. I like Hillary. Even if I didn't, um, you know, even if I, you know, didn't like Hillary and, you know, had made up my mind for her, as a woman... I think it's kind of shallow in a sense that, you know, th that any woman would allow 
uh, Gloria Steinem or Madeleine Albright making remarks for Hillary to count against Hillary because I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold what somebody stumping for somebody says to, to that person. I'm not gonna hold that candidate accountable for that. So in other words, if somebody came out, you know, from Bernie's camp and did something stupid, and I were a Bernie supporter, it wouldn't stop me from. Uh, voting for Bernie. So are women really that fickle? As a woman, I'm kind of embarrassed if that's the case. Well, I don't know exactly, but part of it is, uh, I think, par- I do think part of it is attributable to the um, ridiculous statements Madeleine Albright uh, and Gloria Steinem made in New Hampshire over the weekend. Uh, and it's probably more complicated than that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think we can safely say uh, that the former President Clinton, former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright uh, and Gloria Steinem sure didn't do what they were supposed to do, uh, which is to boost Hillary Clinton. I think. Well, I, I would agree with you, and I got to tell you, I love President Clinton. He was my favorite president. However, this time around, and when she ran against President Obama, um, I felt he hurt her because he's just too emotionally connected. I think Stan at making speeches positively, but when he attacked Obama, it didn't help her, and when he attacked Senator Sanders, it didn't help her. And I would agree with you somewhat regarding Albright and Steinem's comments. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue with Brad Bannon. We'll talk about the sweeping victories in New Hampshire by Trump on the right, Senator Sanders on the left. We'll talk about how much of a blow this is to Hillary, how much of a boost it is for Bernie, and more right after this. There are headlines saying outsiders sweep to victory in New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders is not an outsider. He might be an outsider to New Hampshire, being from neighboring Vermont, but this guy's been in politics in the state of New Hampshire and on a national level for decades. Um, So why is he perceived to be an outsider? I like Senator Sanders, but Trump's not a politician. Senator Sanders has been for the majority of his life. Well, you're right. I, uh, Bernie Sanders is from Vermont, and there are at least some, probably about 20 percent of the Democratic primary voters, uh, who live near Vermont and watch Vermont television, so they're probably very familiar with Senator Sanders. Uh, but if no, you no, no. At- you, misunder- you must understand my question. Why is Bernie Sanders perceived as an outsider when he has been a Washington insider for decades? Uh, clever p- positioning. Uh, Bernie Sanders has always been a rebel in the Senate. Uh, he is very, he has been very outspoken in the Senate. Uh, he's, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, he's not even a Democrat. Um, he's, uh, he I know is, the Socialist uh, Party is angry he's not running as a socialist. In the Senate. And that's about as outside as you can get. There are other headlines, Brad, painful blow for Clinton. Now, we know some people would say this is even a personal painful blow uh, to uh, Hillary Clinton. New Hampshire's been kind to the Clintons. Bill Clinton was comeback kid in 92. She beat Barack Obama, surprisingly, despite the polls in 2008. Um, The polls, Bernie Sanders did better than the polls. Did more young people come out than expected? And what message do you think this is sending to New Hampshire and the rest of the country? Does this uh, make her look uh, like a, a weak progressive, and does this make it look like she has a weak campaign? Well, to answer your second question first, uh, like we said before, uh, two down, 53 to go. I left out the Virgin Islands at the top of the hour. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of go. I mean, lots of things happen. Both candidates are going to have lots of ups and downs for the next few months. 
Uh, and to answer your first question, yes, there was a very strong turnout among uh, young voters, uh, and something like 80% of them uh, voted for Bernie Sanders. So that clearly was a factor. Does that mean Bernie Sanders is now more of a threat on a national level to Hillary because this is not and cannot be dismissed as a one-off win by a politician from a neighboring state? Well, honestly, I don't think we're going to tell we, – I can answer that question for a couple of weeks because right now we have played in a, in a very small sandbox of white primary voters in Iowa and New Hampshire. You can't be national unless you have broad support from different kinds of people. And uh, soon speaking, we're going to find out that, in South Carolina uh, whether Bernie Sanders can attract the support of black Democrats. Right black now, Democrats in South Carolina make up over 40% of the registered Democratic population, correct? At least, maybe more than that. Okay, uh, so I've heard some people say 60% of the primary voters will be African-American. And in the polls that I've seen down there, uh, Hillary Clinton is kicking Bernie Sanders' butt among black voters. Well, that's what uh, I was going to ask you. That's, that has been the case. But I've seen numbers as high as 67%, and I think she's in the 30s today with the real clear politics average. CNN always, for some reason, seems to pull her down. Uh, or, or is it C- uh, CBS? i, I got to look. But... Um, let, let me ask you, since yesterday, have you seen a poll showing Bernie gaining traction in South Carolina um, overall with Democrats and even with minority voters, specifically African Americans? Uh, no, because I don't think anybody's had time to do one yet. Okay. Um, I did see a poll that was done uh, in South Carolina over the weekend. And in that poll, uh, Clinton uh, was leading Sanders, I believe, uh, uh, 60% to 36% with the rest undecided. Uh, and what you also saw is in the poll is that Sanders was winning uh, white Democrats in South Carolina, but he was getting his butt kicked among black Democrats in South Carolina. And I'm sure we'll have a poll out in a couple of days, so I'll be able to answer that question. Okay. Hillary clearly has work to do, okay? She lost women, and I thought women would jump from the Republican Party uh, to vote for her. And I think that we may see that on a national level if you have somebody like Cruz as the nominee, or maybe Trump, because he's definitely sexist. Um, But Hillary lost women. She was crushed among men. Young voters, uh, she, she was demolished. Um, and her surrogates, like you said, alienated uh, a lot of people, including some of uh, Sanders' supporters. So what does she need to do? We know Bernie needs to get minorities. Hillary needs to get women, more white guys than youth. What does she need to do, and how does she do that so quickly? Well, first of all, I think she has two problems. Uh, problem one is one of the things I noticed in the last Democratic debate uh, was when the moderator... Um, asked um, Hillary and Sanders the very simple question that all presidential candidates should be prepared to answer. Uh, And the question was, uh, why are you running for president, Ms. Clinton? And, you know, she eventually came up with an answer, but she sort of hesitated like she didn't really know. Well, I'm Hillary Clinton. Um, I think she needs a better message. She needs to have a compelling reason for voters to vote for her based on what she wants to do as president. And I'm not sure she's got to that point yet. But we also know the Clintons know how to lose and how to win. We saw that happen with Bill Clinton when he was governor, won, then lost, then came back and won again. 
Um, she has lost a presidential election. She has won a senatorial campaign, although that was rather easily handed to her, some people say, in New York. So the question remains um, for, for Hillary, with the amount of money she has, resources she has, and powerful people uh, that have very good experience, James Carville-type people, why is her campaign not doing better? Is, is she not seeking out the right, right people to run it, or is she just not listening to them? Well, you know that old expression, uh, too many cooks spoil the broth? Yeah. Uh, that's what you have going on in the presidential campaign. Uh, you have a formal campaign structure, but if you look what happened over the weekend with Bill Clinton and Albright and Steinem, they quite clearly don't have any control over the surrogates because if they did, they would never let them say what they said over the weekend. And I think, you know, Hillary is sort of running her campaign out of her back pocket. Uh, and, you know, Bill Clinton is a major force. Uh, John Podesta, who's campaign chairman. There are a lot of cooks there, uh, and I, I think that's part of the problem. There's no one dominating figure in the campaign who can say, yep, we're going to do this, and if you have a problem with it, get lost. Thank you, Brad. Good to have you with us. Brad's website, bannoncr.com. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi, Leslie's executive producer. Uh, as you heard, Leslie joined us in between TV appearances. Uh, she joined us on remote, and uh, now she is going to be back on TV. So uh, we are back, uh, continuing coverage here uh, following the New Hampshire primaries. Uh, we're talking about both the Democratic and Republican results uh, with our good friend Brad Bannon, who you heard just a short time ago. It should actually be called the Brad Bannon Show, I think, at times. Brad, what do you think? I, I like it's got a nice ring to it. Uh, I'm not sure your listeners would say that. Mark. <laughs> Um, well, you know, some of the uh, topics that you touched on with Leslie, I want to extend a little bit into that. Okay. And before we do so, uh, if anyone would like to join us, you're more than welcome. Brad always likes uh, answering questions. Any comments that you have about the race, you're more than welcome to talk with him or myself anytime at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Brad, today Chris Christie and Carly uh, Fiorina both dropped out of the Republican race. Um, Fiorina, you know, I'm not surprised the only surprise i had is that she didn't drop out sooner i guess um and the other thing with christy was he seemed like his attacks on rubio were very successful but only in hurting rubio and not elevating himself so were you surprised that he dropped out today or did you expect it after his showing uh well the reality is for governor christy uh he after two very bad performances in Iowa and New Hampshire, um, he was the point where he, was, he wouldn't be able to raise any money for his campaign. Um, no charter airplane, no staff, uh, no fancy television ads. So at this point, you know, he, he really didn't have much of a choice. The interesting thing about Christie, I think, is that if you look at the polls two years ago, he was the clear front runner to win the Republican nomination. Uh, and then the bridge, uh, then the, the bridge over troubled waters hit, and it was never the same for Governor Christie after that. It is very interesting how we think we know what's going to happen, and, and you're one of the people who I have to give credit to. You always say how far it is out from the election and how things can change, because at times we just kept seeing national polls of Hillary Clinton versus Chris Christie, and it looked like those were going to be the two nominees. And at times, I think you know when we when we thought that. 
it seemed a bit concerning because Governor Christie, before Bridgegate, would sometimes um, attract some more moderate, moderate middle-of-the-road voters, whereas, you know, when the Republican Party has its current lot of frontrunners like, you know, the last two uh, primary winners, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, you know, you would think the Democrats would have an easier uh, time uh, winning a general election against them, you'd think, which we'll get into, you know, in, in a couple minutes. But um, it is kind of interesting how things change uh, so quickly in, in politics. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up with you, Brad, um, is the fact that the two Republican primaries were so far won by Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, which brings me to kind of where you think the Republican Party is going. It's something that you've discussed on this program before regarding how they just cannot continue to um, isolate, you know, growing minority groups like Latino voters and African-Americans, the LGBT community, and still run a campaign that will win a general election. And if you if you look at the primary yesterday, for instance, Yes, John Kasich, you know, has some more moderate views, maybe not as moderate as he might seem, you know, compared to a Democrat versus these nutbags like Trump and Cruz. But maybe he seems a little moderate. However, Donald Trump got more than twice the amount of votes that John Kasich did. So in looking at that, you know, where do you think this takes the Republican Party, you know, basically with this general election included and in the future beyond it? Well, I think, um, I mean, um, if I had to bet right now, um, and I'm not, um, uh, I would guess that either Donald Trump or Ted Cruz will be the nominee. Um, And it's just the nature of the party. If you look at uh, the people who vote Republican primaries, they're very conservative, uh, they're angry, uh, and uh, that match, uh, you know, and that's why they uh, like uh, Trump last night in Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, in, uh, Chris, no, uh, uh, Cruz in Iowa. And I, I think, you know, one of those two guys is more likely uh, to win than Rubio or Kasich because the reality is there are more very conservative Republican primary voters than there are martyr Republican primary voters. So, okay, knowing that, I guess we'll talk about, you know, a general election strategy for Democrats, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders, from just strictly not you know, actually having the horror of that being the Republican nominee in, you know, the country of, of America. But from strictly winning and losing standpoint, isn't that a better thing for Democrats as far as who they would want to face versus like a Rubio or a Kasich, for instance? Well, yeah, I, I think it's very clear that it is. Uh, uh, the reality is uh, you've got a couple of things. You know, when Obama, President Obama won election in 2008 and 2012, they called their coalition the Coalition of the Ascendant. And that meant uh, black Democrats, Latino Democrats, uh, and young Democrats. Uh, those were the three pillars of the Obama campaign, and I think those three groups, more than any others, uh, got him elected president twice. And Trump, especially Trump, but to some extent Cruz, too, they're like a red flag to young people and Latinos. Uh, and, you know, I think the Republicans would be in big trouble um, if uh, 
uh, if Trump or Cruz was the nominee. They're just way too conservative for Americans. You know, the secret to winning any presidential general election is you get 95% of your own party people to vote for you. Um, and uh, what you need, what makes the difference, I mean, let's say Trump's the nominee. Well, let's say Cruz is the nominee. He'll get 90% of the Republican vote, maybe more than that in November. Uh, whoever is the Democrat, Hillary or Bernie, will get more than 90% of the Democratic vote. The key is appealing to the moderate voters uh, and independent voters in the middle. And if you look at polls, uh, those independents um, are very hostile to Trump. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, I think they're going to have a tough time with those moderate independent voters in the middle uh, if Trump or Cruz is going to be the nominee. And they're going to, ju- you know, just turnout among the Latino community is going to go through the roof. Uh, so uh, they, they, Trump and Cruz, uh, uh, prevent um, uh, present problems for the party. You know, I was on a TV show the other night, and I was debating uh, a woman from the Republican National Committee, uh, and uh, I, I got the first question about you know whether the Republican Party was divided, and I said yeah, and it's because their most prominent candidate is a racist. Um, the uh, woman from the RNC gave me a look, but she didn't defend Trump. She went on to say, we like all our candidates. Huh. And I think a lot of Republicans, especially Republicans in Washington, are really embarrassed about Trump. And I, they should be. Is this, Brad, is this kind of a taste of their own medicine because they've been ginning up all this hate and pulling the party so far to the right and pushing this extreme rhetoric specifically against President Obama? And, and this is what they've created. It's almost like... You know, I saw this this really great political cartoon after Donald Trump skipped out on the last Fox debate, and it was uh, a cartoon of Roger Ailes creating Frankenstein, and except it wasn't Frankenstein, it was Trump with, like, the, the things on the side of his head walking away, you know, from Fox and going off on his own as Frankenstein. I mean, do you think the right-wing media and candidates have created this without really understanding what they were creating, and now it's coming back to bite him in the butt? Yeah, I think that's uh, very much the case. Uh, uh, John Kennedy used to have this expression, uh, when you ride the tiger, make sure you don't fall off because the tiger will eat you. Uh, I think <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's happening to the Republicans now. I've Starting never heard that, Brad. <laughs> they, rode, they rode the Tea Party uh, tiger. Uh, and now, as you said, uh, the tigers come back to bite the GOP on the butt. I love that saying. I don't know if you heard me. I've never heard that, and especially that it's a JFK quote. That just makes it even more awesome. I, I really I, That's the kind of uh, great political history you get from uh, a man like Brad Bannon. Brad, you know, looking at, obviously, you know, for mo- many people in our audience know this, um, but for those who don't, you're a Democratic uh, political strategist. If you want to check out more about Brad and what he does, go to at Brad Bannon on Twitter or BannonCR.com. But the reason I bring it up is, let's say, you know, you're not necessarily working for either uh, Hillary or Bernie, but you're just working for the Democrats in general, and your main goal is to win the general election. One of the things you brought up is appealing to voters in the middle, but to play devil's advocate, some people uh, say, yes, but by getting a higher voter turnout is appealing to the strongest, you know, progressive or in the right conservative part 
of your party. So, you know, we have seen a lot of excitement on uh, the Bernie side of the spectrum. I don't think anybody can really disagree with that. So, you know, if, if the goal is really to get the voter turnout excited, you know, how do you go about doing that? Who are you really rooting for? And, you know, do you think that, for instance, if Hillary wins, you know, maybe Bernie as a surrogate could really fire up that youth base still for her? Well, sure. I mean, that's one of the amazing things. Uh, last night, if you look at the New Hampshire exit polls, uh, Bernie Sanders got something like 80-some percent of the millennial vote yesterday. Uh, so he, wow. yeah, he's very strong with the millennials. Uh, and um, if he loses the nomination, uh, Hillary will need him to galvanize that base because Hillary is not doing very well at all uh, with young people. So uh, he'll need... Uh, uh, he'll need Bernie Sanders, which I or, think he's. Yeah, you know, she will. I know what you mean. Bernie Sanders wins. He's going to need Hillary Clinton. And I and I think they both honestly. I know. I know you. So I know you've watched probably every minute of every debate in town hall. Um, I thought they've done a good job of highlighting that. You know, at certain points, they both have made it very clear they will support one another. And you know, the media likes to really play up. You know, wherever there's division and try to sow seeds of conflict. Um, but watching the entire debates, the moments that I don't think got a lot of attention. For instance, the last moment of the NBC News debate where, you know, I think it was Bernie who said, you know, I know some of this can get hostile at times and get blown out of proportion. And I just want to see how much respect I have for Hillary Clinton and that either one of us would make 100 times a, a better candidate than any of the Republicans. And they both, you know, I think they shook hands or something. And I thought that was a really cool moment. And I don't I have not seen anything like that, even remotely close to it on the Republican side. And I think that's a real advantage the Democrats have over the Republicans in 2000. Well, yeah, I agree. And it's either a blessing or a curse uh, that I live uh, where I do uh, in the Boston area, because I get to see all the TV spots that the candidates aim up yeah. in New Hampshire. And if you look at the Republican ads I've seen in the last couple of months, and I've seen a lot of them, uh, I would say that at least 70% of the Republican ads I've seen are harsh negative ads. Um, I have not yet seen a negative ad from Clinton or Sanders. Not one. Wow. I didn't uh, know that. And uh, that's the big difference. Uh, the reality is that uh, the winner of the Republican uh, nom- uh, the Republican nominee, whoever it is, was going to be he, you know, since Carly Farina dropped out, uh, they're going to inherit a divided party. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, Hillary and uh, Sanders, uh, you know, get along pretty well. You know, I, I saw somebody did a, a workup of both their voting record. When they were in the Senate together, they voted together 93% of the time. Wow. So there's not, you know, uh, that's pretty close, and that suggests they have some differences, but uh, they have a lot more in common uh, than they have uh, differences. Brad, I want to ask you a question as we go into break, and I want you to answer it when we come back. I want to ask you what effect do you think Bernie Sanders has had on the race for Democrats? You know, initially it was really supposed to be Martin O'Malley was supposed to be the alternative to Hillary. And as a strong progressive, you know, and I know you are too, I don't necessarily, you know, even if, if, say, you know, I was rooting for Hillary and I'm honestly undecided still, I, I've, you know, been leaning Bernie at times, other times I've been more in the middle. Um, I haven't really leaned Hillary yet, but, you know, I'm, I am honestly undecided. 
I'm happy that Bernie has been having, you know, the issues that have been talked about because I think it's brought Hillary more to the progressive side. And I think sometimes she needs to be tugged over to that side. But I want to know what you think about that. Um, all of our callers are welcome to join us. You're um, you're welcome to join us in this segment coming up with Brad or myself after. The number to do so is 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. I'd love to know your thoughts on last night's New Hampshire primaries on both the Democratic and Republican side. And any thoughts on the topics that Brad and I have brought up? What do you think about the way the Democratic race has been run versus the Republican race? Do you think it's a good thing that it's become more of an actual um, horse race or closer election uh, on the Democratic side? Do you think that actually helps the party or hurts it? And... Um, who do you think is going to come out the winner on the Republican side? I mean, Brad thinks it's going to be Trump or Cruz. I think that's a, a strength of the Democrats if that happens. I think that's going to be an advantage. But uh, I'd love to hear what you think. Again, that number is 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, and we're joined by our good friend and political strategist, Brad Bannon. Check him out on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. His website is Bannon, with two Ns, CR.com. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. We are joined by our good friend, Brad Bannon. Brad, before the break, I asked you a question about Bernie Sanders' effect on the Democratic primary. We've only got a couple of minutes left, so I wanted to give you a chance to uh, give us your thoughts on that. Well, I think the biggest impact, uh, well, Bernie Sanders has had two big impacts on the Democratic campaign. As you suggested before, uh, he's moved Hillary uh, very far to the left. Uh, and the second thing, and you could see it in New Hampshire Tuesday night, uh, Ber- Bernie Sanders is great at generating uh, enthusiasm among young people. And that's part of the recipe for the Democrats winning the White House. Again, the ascendant coalition, black de- uh, blacks, Latinos, and young people. Bernie Sanders has already demonstrated that he can uh, energize young people, and we'll need that in November. So, Brad, you think this has obviously been a very positive effect on the party, even if you know some people ultimately feel you know, whether he's the better candidate or not in the general. The point is it's helped the Democrats. Well, I think it will, because uh, when you uh, get into after the two-party conventions in July, uh, what you're going to see uh, is a Democratic nominee uh, who has the support of the part of this or her party, uh, and you're going to see um, a Republican nominee uh, who many Republicans detest. Uh, and that, that, you know, the party that wins the presidential election is the party that is most united. And right now, that's the Democrats. Well said, Brad. Great job uh, hitting your time there, a broadcaster indeed. We appreciate you coming on as always. You can find Brad's work uh, if you go to uh, his Twitter handle, at Brad Bannon. We always post uh, interviews on Leslie's Twitter and Brad's, uh, so you'll be able to hear this if you missed any of it. Check out his work at BannonCR.com. That's B-A-N-N-O-N-C-R.com. We'll be right back with your calls and some audio from the candidates uh, who won and lost last night. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall.